On today's episode of District Divided, the Washington football team are now in sole possession of first place in the NFC East. I briefly recap their win over the San Francisco 49ers this past Sunday and also look at the schedules for the remaining NFC East teams. We're getting to the tail end of the season. I break that down for you. In the State of the Union, we talk a little bit about hockey, actually. They are finally deciding on a return date. Also get into college basketball, college football, the Wizards. And then we conclude with a preview against the Seattle Seahawks, our opponent this Sunday. So kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. Your Washington football team is officially the hottest team in the NFC with a four-game winning streak and is in first place, in sole possession of first place in the NFC East. A 23-15 win over the San Francisco 49ers paired with a New York Giants loss to the Arizona Cardinals this past Sunday elevates us to first place, putting us at 6-7 and seven on the season with the New York Giants at 5-8. and eight. Offensively, this game against the San Francisco 49ers was as ugly as it has ever been for us. Alex Smith was very bad, but he also strained his calf during the game, which he said after the game did affect his play, and it's clear that it did. Dwayne Haskins came in to the game in the second half in relief of Alex Smith due to that calf injury and was not asked to do a whole lot. That being said, he did play fairly well. He did hit his checkdowns. He did convert a couple third downs, but he also almost threw a devastating interception late in the game, overthrowing a wide open, and I mean a wide open, Terry McLaurin on a third and 10, who easily would have gotten the first down. That could have changed the game. And it was that type of throw that worried us when it came to Dwayne Haskins. But we'll see, because he may end up starting this Sunday. That calf strain for Alex Smith leaves him the definition of questionable for this Sunday's game against the Seattle Seahawks. Quarterback play was not good on this day. What was good? Not good. I'm sorry. What was amazing was our defense. Not one, but two defensive touchdowns on the day. Chase Young, once again, was spectacular. In the first half alone, he had a sack, a forced fumble, and then, fuck it, if the offense isn't going to score, I'm gonna. Decided to score one on a fumble recovery, again, because the offense just wasn't doing anything. It was 7-3 San Francisco at the time with just a minute to go in the first half. Chase Young recovers the fumble, houses it. Score is 10-7 going into the half instead of what it could have been. 7-3 San Francisco, 10-3 San Francisco, or even 14-3 San Francisco. It's a very easy argument to make. This was a game-saving play. The other defensive touchdown came from Cameron Curl. 
on the last play of the third quarter. It was a pick six. It was beautiful. It was a bad decision from Nick Mullins, but Cameron Curl made the most of it. So how about that? Two rookies leading the way for your Washington football team, scoring both touchdowns on the day, and it proved to be enough. Three Dustin Hopkins field goals rounds up the scoring for the day. Once again, the final score, Washington 23, San Francisco 15. Moving on to next week, we're going to get into the preview later after the State of the Union, but the quick injury update, Alex Smith, once again, the definition of questionable. Heading into this Sunday's game against the Seattle Seahawks, he did not practice Wednesday. And neither did Antonio Gibson. And speaking of the running backs, we signed Lamar Miller. And he will be unavailable this week due to COVID protocols. I think he needs to test negative six times or something like that, six times in a row. And so what does that mean? That means that Antonio Gibson is in some pain. It doesn't sound like he's going to play this week. It doesn't sound like he's going to be ready for next week. The team would not be signing Lamar Miller if they felt Antonio Gibson was going to be available this week or definitely available next week. So we're going to see what happens there, but this team is going to be put to the test. And with just three games remaining for all NFL teams, and more specifically the NFC East, the division race is heating up. The Philadelphia Eagles somehow beat the New Orleans Saints. That's how we became the hottest team in the NFC. The New Orleans Saints were riding a long winning streak, And then the Eagles start Jalen Hurts instead of Carson Wentz. And all of a sudden, they look very, very good. So it is heating up, folks. Here is your standings update. The Washington football team in first place at 6-7. In second place, the New York Giants at 5-8. In third place, the Philadelphia Eagles at 4-8-1. And in fourth place, the Dallas Cowboys at 4-9. And now here are the remaining opponents for those teams. The Washington football team, we have the Seattle Seahawks at home, the Carolina Panthers at home, and then at the Philadelphia Eagles. The New York Giants play the Cleveland Browns, then at the Baltimore Ravens, Dallas Cowboys. The Philadelphia Eagles at the Arizona Cardinals, at the Dallas Cowboys, Washington football team. Dallas Cowboys have San Francisco this week, Philadelphia next week, and then at the New York Giants. The team that scares me the most at this point is the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'll tell you why. The New York Giants are at 5-8 and eight in second place, and they hold the tiebreaker against us, but with games against Cleveland and Baltimore, I don't see them getting more than six wins. If they beat Dallas, they would finish the season at 6-10. and 10. That's what I would think. Cleveland is 9-4 and four on the season, Baltimore is 8-5, and five, and both of them are hunting for playoff spots and are better than the New York Giants. So I would expect the New York Giants to finish 6-10, and 10 which means we would only need to win one game. Looking at the Dallas Cowboys, they could win out. San Francisco 49ers are 5-8, and eight, Eagles 4-8-1, at the New York Giants 5-8. and eight. If they did, we would still only need to win one game because we hold the tiebreaker over them, which leaves the Philadelphia Eagles. They're 4-8-1 with those three games left. Once again, at Arizona, at Dallas, Washington. That last game has the potential to be huge if, if they also go on to beat the Arizona Cardinals this week. Our path into the playoffs is simple. Win two out of our final three games, 
So if we beat Seattle and Carolina, the Eagles cannot get to eight wins. Cannot. Or just beat Philadelphia week 17. But I would not want it to come down to that. If Philadelphia is getting hot with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, that's different than getting hot with Carson at QB. There is new energy with that Philadelphia Eagles team. It is going to be a very, very interesting race. To me, it looks like a two-team race. The Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles for schedule reasons. I think the Giants are no longer a part of this discussion unless they upset the Browns or Ravens. Or both. Again, they beat the Seahawks. We beat the Steelers. The Eagles just beat the Saints. Crazy things are happening in the NFL this year. So we will see what happens. But as of right now, I think it is a two-team race. And I do not want it to come down to Week 17 against the Eagles. Because if these two teams are playing for the division at Philadelphia, even without the fan, I don't care. I would be very, very nervous. And I think a lot of us would. So that's going to conclude the NFC East breakdown for the time being. The standings as of right now. We're going to jump into the State of the Union, your DC Sports wraparound coverage. How about we begin with an NHL update because it's specific to our caps. The season is expected to start on January 13th, but it's not official yet. Both the NHL and NHLPA are confident on agreeing to the start date. It is aggressive since nothing's official yet, but they are both optimistic. That would mean that training camp would begin on January 3rd. It'll be great to see our Capitals back in action. So we're hoping for January 13th. Switching to the hardwood, the Washington Wizards played their preseason opener last week. They lost 119 to 114 to the Brooklyn Nets. Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, and Davis Bertans were all rested for this game, while Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both played the first half for the Brooklyn Nets. Rui Hachimura led the Wizards in scoring with 18 points, but it was first-rounder this year, Denny Avdia, who stole the headlines. He had 15 points, but was perfect from the field at 6-for-6 and was 3-for-3 from 3. So looking forward to seeing how those two do moving forward. Up next... Tonight, the Detroit Pistons at 7 p.m. Westbrook and Bertans are unlikely to play, with Beal expected to get a few minutes, but he may not play either. And then we have the Pistons again on Saturday at 7 p.m. And then the big one, the season opener Wednesday at the Philadelphia 76ers at 7 p.m. You can catch these games at NBC Sports Washington. From professional to college, the Georgetown Hoyas were 1-1 this past week. A 76-63 loss to number 9 Villanova, who are now number 7. Georgetown was up 46-33 at the half. And then they only scored 17 second-half points to Villanova's 43. The Hoyas are built to bring you up and then let you down. Very unfortunate. Senior forward Jamarco Pickett had 16 points and 10 rebounds to lead the Hoyas in this one. And then the win, a 97-94 win over St. John's. And as I said, they build you up to let you down. They nearly snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Up two with less than a second left, we allowed St. John's to hit a layup off an inbound pass. Absolutely unacceptable. Ewing was fuming. 
but we did prevail thanks to freshman Dante Harris, who led the Hoyas scoring with 22 points and made the offense just look so much better. He had 43 minutes played in this game compared to just 13 against Villanova, and Dante Harris was named Big East Freshman of the Week. Congratulations, Dante. Up next this week, two games. St. John's again on Sunday, this time at St. John's at 6.30 p.m., and Seton Hall on Wednesday at 5 p.m. That is a big basketball day for Hoyas and Wizards fans next Wednesday. Once again, the Wizards season opener is against the 76ers at 7 p.m. that day. So the Hoyas game perfectly transitions to the season opener for the Wizards. Both Hoyas games will be on FS1. Now, from D.C. to Maryland, the Maryland Terrapins were 0-1 this past week. A 74-60 loss to number 21 Rutgers, excuse me, now number 19. Sophomore Dante Scott led the way with 20 points in this one. And up next for them this week, just the one game again against LaSalle on Tuesday at 7 p.m. The game can be seen on the Big Ten Network. But what about Maryland football? They also played Rutgers, and they lost too. So Rutgers sweeps Maryland in basketball and football. The score in football, 27-24, an OT loss. They finished the season 2-3. and three. Both teams ended up playing a couple different quarterbacks in this one. Talia Tungavailoa did not play, but Eric Njerian was solid in this one for Maryland. 13-24 of 24 for 224 yards and two touchdowns. Running back Jake Funk was also spectacular. 17 carries for 180 yards and a touchdown. The season is over. Four players named honorable mention for all Big Ten. All defensive players, junior linebacker, Chase Campbell, sophomore safety, Nick Cross, sophomore defensive lineman, Mosiah Nasili Kite, and freshman cornerback, Tahib Still. Congrats to all four of you for honorable mention all Big Ten. And for next year, Maryland also managed to flip Michigan commit four-star linebacker Brandon Jennings on National Signing Day who signed for the Terps yesterday. It's the second straight year this has happened. Last year, Maryland flipped five-star wide receiver Rakeem Jarrett from LSU. He was a freshman this year for Maryland. So they are cooking up something good there. And that, my friends, is going to conclude the State of the Union. And now we get into the preview of the game against the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle are 9-4 on the season, but are 3-3 three three in their last six games, including a loss to our NFC East rivals, the New York Giants. But they just put a beating on the New York Jets 40-3. What that means, I don't know. You can tell me as well. The New York Jets suck this year. But 40-3 still is impressive, no matter who you're playing. They were so comfortable in this one that they pulled Russell Wilson in the third quarter of that game. That almost never happens folks to pull your starting quarterback in the third quarter because the beatdown is that bad so you could argue he's rested but looking at their three losses in this six game span once again the new york giants were one of the losses the other two to the la rams and the buffalo bills what all three teams were able to do was make russell wilson inefficient and the stats were actually amazing because they seemed to line up perfectly all of them turned Russell Wilson over twice. The Bills did it twice. The Rams did it twice. The Giants did it twice. Bills and Rams were two interceptions. The Giants, one interception, one loss fumble. They all also sacked him five times, with the exception of the LA Rams, who got him six times. So there are two keys to this game. And key number one, it seems obvious, 
but it's definite. Turn over Russell Wilson at least two times and sack him at least five times. The overarching theme there is simple. Get to Russell Wilson. Bother him. It sounds simple, but they're 9-4 and four in the season, once again. So it is a difficult thing to do, but we have the defensive line to do it, and they have been playing out of their minds recently. Out of their minds. Once again, they'll have to be immense. They'll have to carry this team. And our secondary will need the help from our front four to allow them to ball hawk and make plays back there. But this is not a game we can win with defense alone. The offense will have to show up. And it starts with the quarterback. It always does, but even more so this week because the Seattle Seahawks, they actually have a pretty good run defense. There's all this talk about their historically bad defense. Their run defense is not a part of that issue. So the quarterback is going to have to make plays to open up the running game, which once again will likely be without Antonio Gibson. The quarterback spot, still questionable at this point. Once again, Alex Smith did not practice yesterday. I'd be surprised if he does practice today, but we'll see. At the moment, it looks like it's going to be Dwayne Haskins. So key number two, efficient quarterback play. You don't need to set the world on fire, but you do need to do more. Dwayne was not asked to do much last week, but this week, if he does get the starting job, he will be asked to do much, much more. That means stepping into throws, taking some checkdowns, and being very careful with the ball while at the same time, and it seems sort of like, you know, you're asking for both, but you are against a team like the Seattle Seahawks. You are taking a couple shots downfield. Find your one-on-ones. Take the shot. If we do those two things, I can see a victory. I can. And again, this is the hottest team in the NFC we're talking about. We are playing great football, especially on defense. So Seattle's strength against our strength. Seattle's weakness against our weakness. Should be a good one. And the point spread is Seattle by only five and a half points. So that seems very tempting for people to take Seattle, which makes me think Vegas knows something that we don't. They're pretty good at that. I am 0-4 in the last four weeks and would love to make it 0-5 here. So I am going to take Seattle by a score of 31-14 to over our Washington football team. With Seattle winning, I expect a big day out of Tyler Lockett because I think they're going to want to protect Russell Wilson from our D-line. And I expect them to run the ball a whole bunch with Chris Carson once again to protect Russell Wilson. I think that's going to be their objective in this game is to make sure Russell Wilson is playing efficiently, getting the ball out quickly, occasionally taking that deep shot to DK Metcalf after the D-line slows down through quick passes and through running the ball. But this all depends on Dwayne Haskins. Again, if he is named the starter this week. If he comes ready to ball, because he's had his games. Last season, he did have a couple games where he looked spectacular. Then it's game on. Then it is game on. I just don't expect a whole lot from this offense, but I would love to be surprised. And that is going to conclude District Divided this week. So a bit of a short one. Thank you all for listening. If you like the podcast, please follow it on Twitter and Instagram at District Divided. There's also a Facebook page and group called District Divided. Please like and join respectively. Thank you again for listening. Have a fantastic week. Christmas is right around the corner. Make sure you have got your gifts all set up for family and friends if you haven't already. And it's only one man's time to shine. It's 
Polly Polo. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. I can go for broke, but the